0: You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. Um, can you hear me or am I um, loud? Not too loud, not too loud. I have an outside voice. Uh, so here are. So it has been a very long time. Since I've preached, um, not because I don't like preaching, but I literally, every time I offer to preach, it is the most crazy, crazy week. So two weeks ago, Stu said, he's not going to be here today, would, would I like to preach? And work was not super crazy, so in my wisdom, I said yes, and it literally has been uh, the most crazy of crazy weeks. Um, but Stu sends love, and um, yeah. We Please pray for him tomorrow as, as he goes in for his tests and things like that. So, Firstly, I really feel that I just need to say what an incredible privilege I find it to be a South African. I, I wasn't that emotional last night. I think I was more stressed. But when I was watching this morning, all the crowds in Monty and Midrand and places that I know iconically through South Africa... I actually really teared up. I mean, Amy was talking about the hope that it has ignited in our nation and to remind ourselves that I think it's quite a miracle that we won, actually, And but just the miracle of the story of South Africa and um, the stuff that happened with Michael Cassidy and the Encarta um, Freedom Party coming in on the ballot paper right at the end and, like, literally avoiding a bloodbath. We, we are a nation of, of miracles. And... Um, It was such a beautiful picture yesterday of incredible diversity, not only um, ethnically, but size-wise and gifting-wise, and how this team, um, I don't know how they pulled it off, um, but really, uh, and and to see see Sia lift his hands and and see the little thing with Jesus on it was just so beautiful. So I had two titles for what I'm going to share today, and um, as I said, I'm glad it's a small group because... I'm going to share very much from my heart, and it might be TMI, too much information, but I'm I'm just going to share very, very honestly this morning. So there are two titles. One is, it's the selfish sowing to the flesh now versus the godly sowing to the spirit eternally. My alternative message is um, if I take a, a, a knife and I just go, die, 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 because it's about sacrifice, and sacrifice is about dying to self. So the, the thing with a sacrifice is, the horrible thing about a sacrifice is, it's just that, it's a sacrifice. It, it is not fun, it's not nice, and we, we don't like doing it. So it is about that, you know, die to self, die to self, die to self, and if you... Really, don't think you sacrifice enough. I highly recommend just having children because that is definitely an era of um, tremendous sacrifice. So, I want to read you something from uh, John Ordberg's book called The Shadow Mission. In the years following Lance Armstrong's first Tour de France win in 1999, there was a persistent group of people who were quite critical about him and his performance, like the superhuman performance. During his victory speech after winning his seventh Tour de France, he said this to his critics, to the people who don't believe in cycling, the cynics and the skeptics, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry that you can't dream big. I'm sorry that you don't believe in miracles. But sadly, his success was not miraculous. He was a cheat. And he bullied his entire team into complying with what he was doing when they parked the team bus on the side of the mountain and did blood transfusion to mask their use of the EPO, a performance-enhancing drug? How could he bully, litigate, manipulate for over 13 years until his shabby secret was exposed? I think sometimes we don't understand that we have a mission in our lives, but we also have a shadow mission. John Ortberg describes it like this. You and I were created to have a mission in life. We were made to make a difference. But if we don't pursue the mission and vision for what God has designed and gifted us for, we'll we'll find a substitute. And I see that a lot in the creative space in terms of music. I see people like a guy who sings Freddie Mercury better than Freddie Mercury, uh, Adam Lambert, who is one of the most Beautifully gifted people, but so incredibly dark, using the, the things that they were created to do. He was created to be a worshiper. We can't live in the absence of purpose. Without an authentic mission, we will be tempted to oh, must I turn that off? Um, We will be tempted to drift on autopilot, to let our lives center on something that is unworthy something selfish, and something dark, which is called a shadow mission. And the challenges, the isolation, the difficulties of life is what draws us into this shadow mission, the fear of failure, the fear of the disappointments in our lives, the fear of criticism, the fear of man. However, the greatest challenge is not something that might happen to us, but something that might happen in us. And it's a degeneration of the heart that robs us all of our calling and leaves a deep soul dissatisfaction. My title, it's the selfish sowing to the flesh now versus the godly sowing to the spirit eternally. So a shadow mission comes from the the pit of hell to derail our actual mission that the Lord has called us to. Um, And generally, it's linked to our giftings. Um, and, our, and and it's so closely related to our giftings and our strengths that it's, it's not 180 degrees off track. I always say that um, Hansi Kranier, for those of you who are a little bit more mature, um, didn't suddenly go f- off track. It was, a, it was a, actually a 5% off track where he took that initial bribe. He was away from his church. He was away from his people, and in Five kilometers or 10 kilometers, you half a kilometer off, and, and it leads to that. And so this mission that we have is equally and oppositely um, counted by a shadow mission. And I have really been struggling with the mission and, and the shadow mission, and I'm going to share a little bit of that. Even Jesus had a shadow mission, and I reckon His shadow mission was to be a leader without suffering, to be the Messiah without the cross. Um, in Luke 19, it says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So Jesus' mission was to seek and to save what was lost. He's often called second Adam, and he came to restore what first Adam lost in the Garden of Eden, which was relationship with God, right? And, but his shadow mission was to save the lost without suffering. In an interview with Oprah Winfrey, Armstrong said that initially his mission was to become the best cyclist in the world. And that's such a commendable mission, although I don't know why anyone would want to give themselves to that. But sadly, his mission morphed into the shadow mission, which was to win at all costs. And, um, and so he gave up his authentic mission for a, for a shadow mission. Um, further, the flesh is attracted to shadow missions. Without constant effort and reflection, we tend to the way of the world. So these are my symbolic, thanks Gerard for bringing that, the, the way of the world and the way of the spirit uh, that I will, I will demonstrate later. Satan uses temptations and distractions and the things of the flesh to create the shadow mission. It's the selfish sowing to the flesh now versus the godly sowing to the spirit eternally or die, die, die. He tempted Jesus in the desert to achieve his mission without hunger. Turn these stones into bread. Throw yourself um, uh, from the temple and the angels will bear you up. Bow down before me and all the kingdoms of the earth will be yours. You don't have to be hungry, you don't have to hurt, um, and you don't have to be opposed for, for what God has for you. Even when Jesus later is explaining that he needs to go to the cross because that's his mission. Even his friends were going, Paul, um, uh, Peter, uh, saying, actually, I rebuke that. Even when he knelt in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, take this cup from me. As he hung on the cross, they said, he saves others, but he can't save himself. Laughed at him. Come down from the cross and then we'll believe in you. Jesus could have led people to believe in him without suffering because he raised people from the dead. He performed miracles. He knew the scriptures. He was the son of God, but he didn't. It was for the joy set before him that Christ endured the cross. So if Jesus had a shadow mission, what is ours? I want to put some forward because I literally had to tick at least half of these. Just give me home, health, and 25,000 rand a month. Busy, busy, busy. I don't care who's in charge as long as it's me. Show me the money, especially in Dobig, the city of gold. It's all about me. I call them eye specialists. I, I, I. Know enough about me. What do you think about me? Um, maintain hidden addictions because I've got shame and I'm, and I'm guarding my pain with pornography, with drugs, alcohol, sex. I'll think about it tomorrow. I'll just live in la-la land. I'll worry about my debt tomorrow, and I'll spend it on the balloon payment on my car today. Look nice by avoiding conflict. Everyone must like me. Climb the ladder first. Put people second. Kids are king. They're before everything else, even my mission. That is a big one in the research that we do. Kids are absolutely ruling the roost. For me, the shadow mission in my life personally is to avoid relational pain. I don't think you understand last Sunday when you made that circle around how incredibly prophetic and profound that was for me and and what a complete fraud I felt like because I know in my heart that I have been the Lord showed me such a clear picture that with I have this amazing group of people that i 'm doing life that we get to lead and do life with, but there 's a small handful literally over the last fifteen years that have caused me relational pain and made me not want to continue to sacrifice and pay the price of of that and so to re- the Lord so clearly showing me prophetically last week that this is the mission he's called me to, and the shadow mission, which is people's people stuff and my maybe sometimes bad responding to that will completely derail what he's called me to in the next season. As I, It was so profound for me. Um, I don't know who bought what. I was trying to guess. I guess Tracy bought me the ginger tea. That's the only thing I could think of, but I had the new journal that I've just literally started with the scripture on the front, As I put water in my beautiful roses, as I ate the blueberry jam, um, on my yummy toast, it was absolutely, and my yelling, yelling candle, um, used the hand soap and cream. My heart was really full, but I did feel like a fraud. Because Paul's scripture, for what I do not want to do, I do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. As it is, I no longer um, uh, it is myself who do it, but it's a sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. That's my sinful nature. I'm no longer a sinner, but I still have these thoughts, which is selfish ambitions. So the temptation for me is that I have, le- we've led a church for 15 years. I have raised three kids. I've worked a job and a career for 20 years. And now we are coming to a space in the next couple of years where we don't have to sacrifice as much um, for our kids. We don't have to sacrifice five hours of driving a day. We, we don't have to sacrifice as much. And we've got timeshare. We can go away Monday to Friday. We can, we, our pensions will be in place in a few years' time once the kids finish. And I'm going, you know what, God, I've I've done my sacrifice and now it's time for me to do the things that I want to do. And I went to Cape Town to Seapoint and I was like, I came back, I said, Stu, that's it. In three or four years' time, we're moving to Seapoint. I want to live there. I want to hop on the bus. It's really nice. There are no potholes. Everything's amazing. But the truth is that there's never, ever, ever going to be blessing in living a life for myself selfishly. The word is so clear, and I read it in the, tr- the Passion Translation in 1 Corinthians 3, 12-15. The quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation, which is selfishness, will soon be apparent, whether it has been built on gold, silver, and costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw. Their work will soon become evident, for the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by blazing fire. And the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his work stands a test of fire, he will be, or she, rewarded. But the work is consumed by fire. She will suffer great loss. Yet she herself will be barely able to escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burnt house, like I will arrive in heaven smelling of smoke. The struggle is real because I have... The light and momentary troubles of the world, which really don't feel light and momentary to me, I'm sure they do to you, and we've got the, the things of the spirit, and both of those are in me. I'm flesh, I'm emotion, and I'm spirit, and, and all of that is part of, of who I am. For our lo- light and momentary troubles are t- achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And it's really interesting how the research shows that difficult circumstances actually reprogram our neural pathways for good in the end. Because because I I struggle to understand when I see some things how God will work all things for good. But that is the promise of the Word, isn't it? So I love it when the world brings something like, ta-da! And it literally goes back and reconfirms everything that that the Bible has said a thousand years ago. So on Netflix, there's this series called 100, The Blue Zone. I don't know if anyone's watched it. I do highly, highly recommend that you watch it. It's a guy called Dan Buettner, and he wrote a book, and he describes these five blue zones in the world where people live to 100. Um, Ikaria, which is a small Greek island, um, Oglistara in uh, Sardinia, Okinawa in Japan, um, a pencil, like somewhere in, the, uh, in Costa Rica, and then the Seventh Day Adventist, actually in Loma Linda, which is a Californian city. And what was so incredibly interesting about that was, well, one of the, it is to do with your exercise and what you eat. At, I said to Stu, the the Okinawa people eat tofu, and maybe it just feels like they're living longer because tofu is so awful. But um, it it really wasn't about food. It was about purpose. The Okinawans called it ikigai, and the the Nicaraguans called it plan de vida, which is why I wake up in the morning. It's it's my purpose. It's my mission. God has created in us a mission and a purpose of what we needing to be doing to do. And this sense of purpose. is the thing that keeps us going. If we no longer have a purpose and, and all we're doing is living for ourselves, then it, it's all for naught. The second is the sense of community that, ties, that uh, promotes longevity and ties people together. And I am seeing, a, and this research we did with Gen Zs this week, um, it's really interesting. The, the Gen Zs, the 18 to 24-year-olds, are more connected than they have ever been before, but they are more isolated than they have ever been before. It is why a 40-year-old man maybe just goes on a rampage um, because he is lonely, he's hurting, he's hearing voices in his head, he can't reach out and society doesn't allow him to say, like, I'm not doing okay, you know? Um, and, it's that, and, and it's why real life church is so important for me because if I cannot be authentic and I have to pretend, that's why I, I, I think I was also so overwhelmed last week because... You all know me. You've seen me on a good and a bad day, but there's still love there. And I know you. you you're not always perfect. I'm not always perfect, but, but that's what family is. It, it's loving each other in that. Also, um, loved ones first. It's strong family ties that are the cornerstone to the blue zones. Um, for instance, the Seventh-day Adventists live in a tightly knit community where the children take care of the aging parents. It was quite scary because there were some generations where the parents lived with them, and God forbid, we, we should have to do that. We, we're not very good at generational living. And then social encouragement. It, um, the Blue Zone cent- Centenarians, are they called, live in social networks that promote healthy behaviors, and they, that helps them stick to their l- healthy lifestyle. And I think that the, the Bible is so clear about being knitted into families, being part of something, giving your lives, sacrificing your lives, um, and Jay, Jane and I were chatting um, this week, and I think we were chatting about, I was practicing my preach on Jane, which, which was this thing of, I will let this handful of relational things derail me because I don't want to put my heart out. When, when we've been in previous churches and they've been hurt, I remember kind of making a vow that no one was ever gonna get hurt at Real Life Church, which is just a silly, silly vow because I'm... Human and other people are human. And, um, but it, it is a struggle for me because even though in the 15 years it's been very, very few relational issues, I still find that we get gossiped about, we get abused, people put their stuff, sometimes project on us, sometimes we have to apologize. I mean, we've had stand-up shouts in our elders meeting and John and I embracing in tears and, and apologizing. So I'm not saying it's not a, a two-way stream, but but honestly, if it wasn't for John and Anne and Mark and Candace and our Catalyst Connect and the church that we've grown, we would definitely not be in ministry. Um, and it is just that really, um, the relational thing that has, has been that. And I, I really just wanted to honor you, Anne, as you hand over the Sozo baton that has brought so much healing to so many people and you've headed up that team so incredibly well. And when you started, there really wasn't an understanding of spiritual healing for people. And you have persevered. You are greatly respected within the Sozo world and within South Africa. And just the team that you're handing over the baton too. It's it's a really really important thing that we get healed emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And yeah, it 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 has been such a game changer in our in our community, in our church, and particularly under lockdown when we ran our single life workshops and our and our love after marriage. So just find that these relational things drain me so much, and I'm a people person. I'm an extrovert. People energize me, but I find. I lose sleep over it. I get angry. It causes me stress. And, and even more so when the relationship is closer. And I feel so helpless. Because, and the temptation is to withdraw my heart. And that's why last week I realized I have withdrawn my heart a little bit. And the Lord really challenging me in the space of love to, because as we grow, and, and I know what the Lord is speaking about, what He's coming up, I'm like, do I have the capacity to love people who have the potential to hurt me? But we cannot lead a church unless we genuinely love the people in the church. And, and the one thing I will say is I have been in a church where the leader really didn't love me. Um, and, and I think we, Stu and I owe it. So if I don't love that person, I pray for God to change my heart or take the person away because I don't think it's fair that someone brings their life and their family and their being into the church, and the people who are leading them don't genuinely love and have a heart for them. I think that's, I will stand accountable for that, you know. So, you know, Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Or in the New King James Version, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And that's Kyra talking this morning about the wells, the wells, digging those wells, digging deep. It, it's, it's where our heart is. Um, and I said here, um, it really is, you know what's going on in your heart. So I know that I can pretend that everything's fine, but only I know what's really going on in my heart. And that's what the Lord is challenging me about, whether I'm willing to, to make those sacrifices. So the shadow mission for me is to guard my heart from people, not to guard my heart for people. And the, the thing that I have to pick up the knife and go, die, 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 is am I willing to guard my heart for people so that I can lead them with Stu and with us all together into transformation, into what God has for them, to to challenge them and poke them until they're doing the mission that God has called them to? Or do I just want to protect me and go on nice holidays and be financially stable and not worry about it? Choose the people that I want to be friends with, not the people that God sends to me. So the, gift, the thing that I wanted to do was if this, if this is the world, uh, no, this one, because Jesus sits at the right hand, if this is the world, I'm not saying that if you have a career and you're called to the world, that you're not doing God's business because most of us pr- um, work from the church, not for the church. And there is no secular, sacred divide. I'm just saying whether what God has called you to, yeah. So, so, um, this is, so for me, work-wise, literally I've spent 20 years building this business, and if I can hang in for another five years, literally the money is just stupid, but I know that I don't have the capacity. And I'm, I'm really bummed about that because it's like what I've worked for. But I know that God is prompting me. What the timing looks like, what, how it's all gonna happen, I don't know. But I am very challenged. I've been doing it for 20 years and I've built all of it up and, and I feel like at some point, I must just walk, I must walk away from that. I, I, I don't know how it's gonna all work. And this is the challenge that I am in, in my heart walking through. So this is the world and it's fine. I think woo this is my ladder, which is it's it is stable. Hey Ratch, if you just stand there. So so the when you I think when we first get saved, I think that there's a lot of grace to kind of straddle the yeah, maybe you stand there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's quite a lot of grace to straddle the two where you can be in the world and do the things of the world and and spiritual things. I think God gives you that kind of grace. But unfortunately, as I go up and I grow and I mature, I actually can't be straddling the two anymore. And I do have to make a choice. And I'm a hopper because because when I'm fired up of the things of the Spirit, I'm so much on this. And then I'm like, woo, I get a big project in and I'm like hopping over here. And more and more, I have to go, you know, is it, what am I doing? What am I doing? Where, which side do I choose? Do I choose the shadow mission or do I choose the mission? And as I'm very clearly saying, many of you are called, your mission field is your work field. It's not about that. It's about the situation and the position of your heart. Where is your heart? Where are you, Adam? Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit or God was not looking for him. He knew where he was. He was asking about the position of his heart. Where are you? And he was hiding and he was ashamed and he was broken. And so I want to say, particularly if you think that your kind of formal career is over, your mission is not complete. And I think I've been prompting a, a couple of you in terms of saying, you're not retired. You're not you, you have a mission, you have a purpose, and you're reaching people that no one else can reach. And I'm equally asking myself that exact thing. Thanks, guys. But I, I just thought this was such a powerful picture of that, you know. Um, the prophetic word that you had last week, Amy, was so incredibly profound. Um, I cannot let the few stop our calling of, of the greater. And I know that I was so encouraged by watching Joel Austin, who said his dad led a church, a massive church, came back to overseas, came back to America and led a church of 90 for 13 years. And suddenly the explosion came. And I think that when we let go and, and heal our hearts for people and not for me healing my heart from people, I think that the growth is gonna come because then the Lord can trust us with, with what He's got, you know, so there's, there's more fear than I like to admit, maybe more materialism um, than I like in my heart, and maybe identity and selfish ambition. So it's like I wanted someone with one of those little knives that you get like for, you know, and then you, you stab and it kind of goes into the knife, you know, and like die, die, die. I don't feel brave and I don't necessarily want to do it. And Sharing today is kind of a prophetic picture for me of declaring the intent and the, the fear attached to it because, because I think the worst is to lie on your deathbed and not have filled your plan and purpose and strategy. And it's so tempting, guys. It, I, I can see such an easy future ahead for us. And it's like such a bummer because I don't think that's what we're gonna be called to. I'm not called to live selfishly. It doesn't bring longevity. It doesn't bring fulfillment. It doesn't bring any of that. We're not created to sow to the flesh, which is a transient place. We're called to sow to the Spirit, which is eternal. And the problem is we only see in part. It's so unclear, guys. It's so unclear. I kind of have a sense of where it is and what it is. But it, but, and also, the Lord is not going to let me hold on to both together. Literally, I'm going to have to jump, and then He shows you the next step. So, I want to ask us to stand, if this has resonated for you, to stand with me, to ask for courage, to he- hear His voice for your life, and to obey your mission um, together. Yeah. So, Father God, Lord, we want to just repent of shadow missions, of light and momentary troubles that distract us from an eternal glory. Father, help us see with eternal eyes. Help us lift our head up rather than just looking at the current situation around us, Father God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, let us tune out the now. Let us tune in the eternal, let us tune in the voice of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Father God, we are so weak. We have selfish ambitions. But there is only one thing. When we get to heaven, will you stand there and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Father God, I want that. I want that. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. In your awesome name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Bless you guys. Thank you for listening.